Hello and welcome to A Murderous Affair. My name is Gabrielle and this is the podcast where we talk about women in history known for mayhem and murder. This week we're switching it up a little and doing a whole new kind of routine for this episode. Or, as I should say, episodes. This is going to be a two-part simply because the woman we're talking about had such an eventful life. And there's no way I could fit it into just one episode. Today, we're talking about India's bandit queen, Fulan Devi. She had so much happen to her starting at a young age. She was a child bride, kidnapped, leader of bandits, arrested, put in jail, and eventually elected to hold a seat in the Indian parliament. And this was all by the time she was around 37 years old. So I hope you guys enjoy part one this week. Let me know what you think. And let's go ahead and get started. Fulan was born into a lower caste in India, one of the poorest ones at a time where the caste system was extremely prevalent, especially in rural areas. The caste system was slash is a socio-political system that basically dictated how everyday life was lived in India. If you were in a higher up caste, you can basically do whatever you wanted. But if you were in a lower caste, anybody could do anything they wanted to you and usually there was no help from authorities or other people in power. Obviously, people in power never abused their positions, right? I can think of absolutely no instance where a person in a higher position of power abused that power against those they considered lower and lesser than them. That's totally not a thing at all. I've gotten really good at my sarcasm lately, you guys, if you haven't noticed. I don't know too much about the caste system other than what I researched and learned from Fulan's autobiography um, and learned like while I was researching for this episode. So if I've gotten anything wrong or if there's anything important that I've missed, feel free to reach out and let me know. Fulan was born into what was called the Mala caste which was a cast of fishermen, workhands, laborers, and boatmen. She was a middle child and had one older sister, two younger sisters, and eventually a little brother. Her family was extremely poor and oftentimes didn't have enough to eat among all of them. And she says in her autobiography that her mother often considered her family cursed because of how many girls were born into it. One of the things that Fulan talks the most about in her memoir is how she loved the river. That was a place that she would play as a child with her friends. And when she was younger, she was also known to be a wild child around her small town. She had a quote, foul mouth and always talked back and didn't seem to conform to the caste system the way the rest of the town wanted her to. Her father had a brother in town that had inherited all the land from his parents and refused to give any or share any to Fulan's father, even though that he was supposed to receive some as part of an inheritance as well. It's said multiple times that her father lost even more money trying to pay lawyers to fight his case and losing, and this wasn't a close secret. Everybody in town knew that Fulan's uncle was kind of the one who ran everything, because he had the most money. After her uncle died, there was a brief hope that her cousin would extend a peace offering, 
where he would share the land her father should have rightly inherited. Fulon's family had one acre of land that was pretty much valueless except for this one tree that had taken root. It was called a neem tree. According to Fulon, it was well known that this tree was going to be part of her dowry when she was to be married, as the bark and the oil had some value and could be made into useful items. One day, her cousin showed up and completely cut it down and was burning the center so that it couldn't grow again and he could take all the useful parts for himself. She tried to stop him, which included attacking him and his men, and eventually they beat her unconscious while the townspeople watched and did nothing because now her cousin was the powerful and rich man who could kind of get away with anything. There are other sources that say that her cousin had convinced her father to remove the tree so they could plant something more worthwhile in its place. Fulon had apparently hated that idea, saying that she thought her cousin was taking advantage of her father's kind nature and regularly would yell and swear at her cousin when she saw him and actually ended up staging a sit-in with some other girls in the village to protest the tree's removal. Even when the village elders tried to use force to drag them home, she was the one who didn't move. Eventually, the only way they were able to get past her was by beating her unconscious with a brick. As you can see, the end result is basically the same. The tree was taken, Fulan was beaten and bloodied for her quote-unquote wild and demon ways, and daring to stand up to those who were considered to be better than her. It wasn't too long after this that Fulan was married to a man in his mid-30s when she was just 11 years old. Now, supposedly she wouldn't have had to live with this man until she was 15 or 16, not like that's a lot better at all, but her now husband convinced her parents to let her come live with him not as a wife, but as a servant to cook and clean for him. We all can guess what kind of dark and twisted road this is going down. Fulon was assaulted not long after being taken. She was beaten for trying to run away, but she kept trying to run home multiple times. Once, she fell so sick that her father-in-law called her own father to try and help her get better. According to Fulon, she tried to tell her father what had been happening to her, but although he was obviously heartbroken at seeing his daughter mistreated, he covered his ears when she tried to tell him the details because those things were shameful and couldn't be talked about. Ugh, this is like barely the beginning of her story and already my blood is boiling. Eventually, she was taken home and while her so-called husband repeatedly tried to take her back, her mother refused to let him. It wasn't until she had left that according to Fulon, her father allowed himself to be bullied into letting her go by her husband and her cousin because of the quote shame it would cause his family in the village if she didn't return to him. Other sources say that her parents did try to return her, but she would run away. She was eventually returned home in disgrace to be kept until she was a more appropriate age, and this extremely pissed off her cousin who felt that she was giving the family a bad name, and also, according to Fulon, just wanted to be rid of her. So, he faked a robbery and blamed Fulon as a thief reporting her to the local police. The police knew Fulon and her family and went along with her cousin, throwing her in jail for three days and beating her for her crime. Eventually, she was let go with a warning not to cause any trouble and to stay away from her cousin and her cousin's family. When she was 15, as per the original contract, her parents once again allowed her to go with this husband. At this time, he'd taken another older wife who hated Fulon. It was the wife 
who would beat her while the husband would rape and molest her. She once again tried to return home, but was returned back to her husband every time. After a few months of this new arrangement, she was eventually returned back to her home village on the condition that her parents had to return all the gifts that their in-laws had given her family as part of the marriage ceremony and that Fulan was never to return to the house of her husband and his new wife again. Just a few months after her 16th birthday in 1979, Fulan was branded an outcast, a woman who'd been left by her husband, which was a serious taboo. Now returned to her small town, Fulan found that she could hardly leave her house without being confronted or attacked in some way. Many of the men in the area would try to take advantage of her, and she fought back in a way that made her reputation spread even further. She tells of multiple accounts where she ran into a man who was looking for her for their own terrible reasons, and she would beat them which they weren't expecting, and caused them to run away. Honestly, good for her. Eventually, this led to her running into a group of what's called dacoits, or bandits. In her autobiography, that she, she claims that her cousin was tired of having her in the village, and he hired the bandits to come and kidnap her. In her account, they come to her house and beat her parents before taking her with them into the jungle. There are some accounts that claim that she ran off with them on her own, but honestly, I'm more inclined to believe her side of the story. Here we have a woman who's not even a woman at this point. She's still just 16, so she's just a young girl who's fighting constantly just to be able to live in her town, and she's considered to be dis disgraced, which apparently means that anyone can do anything to her and nobody cares, especially because on top of that, she's already considered to be at the lowest end of the caste system they're living by, and she's fighting back, which is enraging everyone. So when she says they kidnapped her on her cousin's orders, I'm not surprised. Either way, she ended up being abused by their leader, Babu Gujar. Babu tells Fulan that she belongs to him now and that he's keeping her as his plaything, basically. The second in command was a man from her own Mala caste named Vikram who ended up coming to her aid. After being held captive by Babu and witnessing him commit other rapes and murders on their bandit runs, one night Vikram and his men killed Babu and those who had followed him in an ambush. In her autobiography, she is grateful for Vikram rescuing her but also angry because he doesn't let her go. He treats her with kindness and takes her to his village, where he meets, she meets his other wife and child and sees how everyone respects him. She also says that she tells Vikram everything that has happened to her, from being married as a young child and all that followed. She asks him to teach her how to shoot a rifle before they return to her village, because she wants to be able to protect herself. And he does. In doing that, he and the rest of the gang start teaching her how to be a bandit, and she begins to call herself a bandit in training. Vikram told the other men in the group to look at Fulan like they would their sisters and mothers. Over time, she did become close to a few of them. Then, Vikram offers to take her to her husband's first village, and Fulan agrees. They go and they loot the houses, and Fulan herself drags her first husband out of his house and beats him in the street. She stabs him from his stomach to his groin while she, along with the rest of the gang, loot his house and take everything they can of value. While she's beating him, she makes him admit everything that he did to her for everyone to hear and apologize for it, saying how terrible of a person he is and how he deserves to be punished. Then they leave him in the street with a note that says, 
this is what happens to old men who marry little girls. Goes to say that she found this really cathartic and soon starts enjoying her bandit runs. Together, Vikram, Fulon, and the gang committed multiple different robberies. Mostly, they targeted upper caste, prosperous towns and, com and robbed the various people there, kidnapping for ransom and occasionally doing highway robbery. Throughout all of this, Fulon remained the only woman member of the gang, and after every crime, she would visit the temple of Durga and thank the goddess for her wisdom and protection. The Durga is the main Hindu goddess of war, strength, and protection. Her legend is that she combats evil and demonic forces and unleashes her divine wrath against those who would oppress others. Fulon said that she relied on the goddess Durga ever since she was a young child and that she often looked to her to give her strength and courage. After they had finished whatever crimes they committed, they would go hide out in the jungles and the ravines that ran along north central India. And things went well for a while until two old members of the gang were released from jail. According to Fulon, one of these men, Sri Ram, had taught Vikram everything that he knew. Sri Ram, along with his brother Lala Ram, weren't happy to see Fulon with the gang. They were angry over the death of Babu Gujar, who'd been their leader previously, and blamed Fulon for it. Sri Ram would constantly taunt and go after Fulon, and eventually this led to a fight between the two. Vikram forced him to apologize, which he did but Fulon never forgot or trusted either of them. They stayed with the gang for a while, but whenever they went to a village, Sri Ram and Lala Ram would make it a point to beat and insult the Mala caste members there, which considering that Fulon, Vikram, and a majority of the other members in the gang were Mala as well, began to make everyone really angry. But at this point, a bunch of different members who followed Sri and Lala had joined, and they were pretty much evenly or maybe even outnumbered. Everything came to a head one day after a heated argument. Some members of the gang weren't happy with how Vikram had been handling things, and those that supported Sri Ram weren't happy with how disrespectful Vikram's members were. There was a proposal that the gang should just split up, which wasn't meant well, and devolved into a gunfight. Vikram and Fulon managed to get away, and he was able to get help. He'd been shot in the back by Sri Ram, and it took time for him to get healed. They also needed to be careful while getting healed because there was a ransom out for them. The bandits had always announced themselves so that people knew who they were and to fear them when they came. Downside of that was that since they used their names, the police knew who they were and they can be turned in for the ransom. Thanks to help from local village informants, they were able to get Vikram treated and he was able to heal enough to return to what was left of his gang and they went on with their life. At one point, they went back to Fulon's village and those there welcomed her as a goddess begging for her forgiveness. She recounts that she was so angry with all of them because they'd never liked or helped her or her family. Fulon's father begged her for her to spare her cousin and her cousin's family who'd been the cause of most of their misfortune. Her cousin also begged for forgiveness and he offered her father the land that should have rightfully been his to own and provide for themselves with. Fulon grudgingly accepted with urging from Vikram. It wasn't long after this that they had another encounter with Sri Ram and his gang. This time, they wouldn't be getting away so easily. Sri Ram approached them with peace offerings, and according to Fulon, Vikram was looking to smooth the relationships between the two gangs. It turned out to be a ploy and Sri Ram's men killed Vikram and a majority of the other members of his 
bandits. There were a few survivors that they tied up and took with them to the village of Bemai, which was Sri Ram and Lala Ram's home. One of them was Fulan. Over the next three weeks, she was brutalized in basically every way by multiple men in the village. It was only thanks to a few of the surviving members of the gang and a sympathetic townsperson that she was able to escape. One of these members was Man Singh, who would soon become her second-in-command and brother-in-arms. And according to some other sources, one of her next lovers. Fulon got herself a rifle and decided that she was going to create her own gang. She called on some of Vikram's old alliances and over the next few months recruited a core groups of thieves and bandits. She said that she would ask each one of them whether they looked at her as a man or a woman and depending on their answer, would then ask if they wanted to join her gang. She took everything that she'd learned from Vikram in her own life and began looting and robbing upper caste villages, leading her gang the way she wanted to. They built a name for themselves and soon villagers would come and request her help for various injustices. Bulon says that she made sure to always give to the poor because she herself had experienced justice, injustices and poverty and wanted to help those like her. Even when she encountered a woman who was stealing goats from her neighbors and impersonating Bulon while she did it, she gave this money because she was poor and was stealing the goats in order to have something to feed her family. She also reimbursed the family to help them recover from the goats that they had lost. Now, obviously there's a ton of speculation on how much her Robin Hood tale of stealing from the rich and turning it to the poor is true, and what has been exaggerated, so take what you can with a grain of salt. But I honestly don't think it's too far-fetched that there are definite instances where she stole from the rich and gave to the poor, especially having grown up in poverty herself and having gone through so much of what she went through. And then we come to what probably made Fulan a national and even international name, the Massacre of Bemai. A couple of months after her escape from those who'd murdered Vikram and held her hostage, Fulan returned with her new gang. They dressed as police officers and reportedly interrupted a wedding asking for Sri Ram and Lala Ram to be brought forth. The two men couldn't be found, so Fulan rounded up all the men in the village and had them executed on the riverbank. This was the crime that gave Fulan national recognition. The chief minister of Uttar Pradesh, the state in which this crime occurred, resigned. A massive manhunt was put underway. There were obviously those who condemned her, but a lot idolized her as well. Her legend as the modern-day Robin Hood rose, and she gained international recognition. According to this legend, and I think this is really leaning into a point that's been exaggerated, Vikram had taught Fulan, if you are going to kill, kill 20, not just one. For if you kill 20, your fame will spread, if you kill only one, they will hang you as a murderess. Like I said, I'm not sure how accurate that quote is, but either way, it holds true to Fulan. She was now a recognized name throughout India and had even more recognition to come. Thanks for listening to part one of Fulan Devi's story. Make sure you guys subscribe and follow to the podcast wherever it is you're listening to know when part two comes out later this week. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Podbreed, Google Play, basically anywhere you can listen to podcasts. You can find me at Frumious Reads, F-R-U-M-I-O-U-S-R-E-A-D-S, on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, any kind of social media. Let me know what you thought of this episode, and I'd love to hear from you. All right. Talk to you guys soon. Stay spooky, friends.
Goodbye.